Alex, we're back. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. That's good. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, Do a I, fantastic start to the show. <laughs> I don't know you. They have they have um, the highlights for last night's uh, Edmonton Calgary game. It's just getting getting on my nerves. Why? I don't know. There's some things that they're not going to do anything about that really piss me off. Oh, I'm sure we're going to talk about that later. Did you watch the game? No, I saw the highlights this morning. That's that's a shame. I watched it, stayed up for it, uh, did not regret it. It was pretty fun. But uh, yeah, uh, Zach Cassian is a... Uh, Zach Cassian might have a suspension and a fine coming his way, but we'll talk about him a little later. Uh, but did you know he has 13 goals because he played with Conor McDavid? Anyway, Alex, you know how we start the show off? The power hour. It's the power hour. And first of all, Alex, some, you know, outside of hockey news, there's been some stuff going on about uh, who should be on the Canadian $5 bill, Alex. So I want to ask you, who do you think should be on it? I've heard a lot of good candidates. My first thought was obviously Sheldon Keefe. No, I'm, oh my just, God. I'm, I'm just joking. Uh, I think a pretty good one that I've seen a whole lot of was uh, Terry Fox. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good candidate right there. What, what what about you? Yeah, no. The first when I saw someone brought up Terry Fox, I thought I don't know if there is a bigger Canadian hero than Terry Fox. So I can't think of one. No, exactly. So I I, I think it's pretty fair to say that yeah, he's he's the man. He's uh, definitely him. Uh, or you know, Brendan Gallagher. No, okay. A hero, maybe Ilya Kovalchuk. <laughs> okay. But Alex, uh, there's you know we got some good news going on, um, especially for the Arizona Coyotes, who uh, yeah they have Taylor Hall on their team if you remember, uh, Nick Yalmerson, who has unfortunately had just a spree of injuries since being traded to Coyotes from uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. He's back tonight. I think this is exactly what the team needed. I really do. Uh. Since they got Taylor Hall, it seems like they've listen. They've been doing pretty well considering uh, their their goalie situation. Yeah, Kemper being uh, weak. Kemper being weak to week. Ranta, I believe, is is injured as well. So they've pretty much just been playing uh, their third and fourth uh, string goalies. I I think adding. Jarmelson to this team is really what this team needed, and it really solidifies the back end. Mm-hmm. For sure, nothing, it, nothing could have gone. I think it could. There's a lot of things that could have gone horribly wrong for this team, considering the situations with both their starting goalies being out. It's really good that they got this guy back. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, they're the goalies like they currently have up are Ivan Prostevov and Dean Hill. So uh, you've heard of those guys. Look at their cat friendly page. I didn't know Mike Ribeiro was a, a, a coyote who was bought out. I didn't even know that ever happened. <laughs> Neither but, did I. 
But hey, most people like to forget about Mike Ribeiro. But look you at know, the games real quickly. They're still in there. They're still a playoff spot second in the Pacific Division. Oh, for sure. I think they're a by far they're a playoff team, no question. Yeah. I, I find it hard to believe that they don't make the playoffs, even with the situation uh with their goalies. Mm-hmm. You look at the entire Pacific Division, one to five are separated by three points. It's uh, the Flames beating the Oilers last night got them in first. I didn't even realize they were in that position. I thought they were still with you know in fifth, but uh, perfect timing to get one of the most stable defensive defensemen in the league back. I, I mean, considering their last two games really haven't gone their way, in uh, they lost three uh, nothing to Carolina and then four uh, nothing to Tampa Bay. This is kind of exactly what they needed, and he slots right into their defense. I'll tell you another player that's needed on this team because when Sidney Crosby goes down, you need all the help you can get. Brian Rust, who has a career high of 38 points in 69 games played, nice, in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. 30 games into this season, he's already at 37, a point behind his career to- um, career high. He's tied his career high in goals and is almost there in assists as well. So a more than point per game is Brian Rust. This is literally the definition of the Pittsburgh Penguins right here. You have two big players going down at different times. You lose Jake Ansel, and there's just one guy who is stepping up. One guy, not necessarily it was not just one guy, but there, I don't think if I told showed you Brian Russ stat, stats at the beginning of the season, these stats, 37 points in 30 games, you would have told me I was crazy. For sure. I, do, I don't think anyone would have predicted 37 points in his, in 30 games played. To give you some perspective, Jake Gensel led them 43 points. Malkin has 42 and 31. Brian Rust is up there 37 and 30. Chris Letang 28 and 36. So, uh, Dave Cahoon or something? 26 points is up there? I love oh, how Dominic still, Cahoon. Like, Dom, Dominic Cahoon, sorry. A no name you've never heard of, but we'll. We have great peace, and we'll get you a first and a second at the trade deadline somehow because, you know, Penguins. But I think maybe Brian Russ, there's an argument that he could be an NHL All-Star Alex. And and considering there's been some changes in the All-Star game in the past few days, uh, some replacements have come in. Max Pacioretty, who was quietly playing some of the best hockey of his career in the in Vegas, is in for Jacob Silverberg, who shouldn't have been there to begin with. Uh, Silverberg expecting a kid around that time. Good for him. And also, Thomas Hurdle is in for Logan Couture. Logan Couture, had a, uh, we don't know if it's week to week yet or if it's, it's apparently... Six, uh, it's, it's six, six weeks. weeks. Okay, yeah. And, uh, yeah, of course, his teammate replacing him there. Alex, I'm seeing very quickly, though, um, still no love for our boy, considering later on we found the last men in were Mitch Marner, TJ Oshie, Quentin Hughes... And not Kale McCarr in the Central Division. Hey, you. There's there's a set of people who you can blame for not having Kale McCarr in the uh, All Star game. That is the Avalanche fans. Ooh. Well, they don't even get to watch their own games. So how good they? Hey, man. Everyone's been talking about this guy. I can't even remember who the, it was. Sorry, David Perron, who was also having a quietly point per game year with Ryan O'Reilly on the Blues. I mean, the Blues already have three players going because it's in St. Louis, but 
I mean, uh, do you, uh, David Perron over Kale McCarr? Really? <clears throat> Listen, we talked about the All-Star game last week. We said it, it it's not for us. <laughs> it's not for us. It's for the kids. <laughs> we, when was the last time you watched the All-Star game? Yeah. Not I haven't seen it watched in a while, and I, and I've seen a lot of comments. I think Bill Daly came out with some comments uh, about the All Star Game, and it just seems like man, like the fact that you have to come out and say these things make it more entertaining. Do some there? I don't know what you have to do. Something needs to be done because. Now is it not only the fans, a lot of fans don't care, the players don't care. You had Dylan Larkin, who's, he's, how old is Dylan Larkin? He did apologize, though, did Dylan Larkin. I get it. Yeah, but he still said it. He still said it. Dylan Larkin's 23. He's the guy you want at the All-Star game, the next generation of players. And he's like, I don't want it. Like, basically saying, I don't want to go to the All Star game. Well, Alex, <laughs> even if the males don't want to go, it looks like there's going to be more female hockey players in the league. Of course, last year, you had Kevin Coy Schofield, who actually beat Miro Heiskin in Simon Fassel Skater. And of course, uh, I think it was it Brianna Decker who actually won the accuracy shooting. And, and the whole fan base of like the entire league had to go and cause a bunch of stir just so she'd get the winning prize. Um, there's going to be more women involved in the game this year, apparently, which, Alex, I'm actually very okay with. A lot of people go and scoff at women's hockey, but, I mean, you're just laughing at growing the game. And I remember I there's this I, story yeah. of after, I think it was Tampa Bay had practice once, and there was a women's team at, who was practicing right after them. And Vincent LeCavalier, like, he would go and watch the women's practice. And I think it was Marie-Philippe Poulain was there. And he just stood there, watched the entire practice, and he turned to someone and he said, that's a damn player right there. So, And Vinny LeCavalier is a good player, right? So it's, it's really good for the game, honestly. I like it. Yeah, I don't know why people are complaining about it, but that's a whole separate issue. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's awesome. Uh, adding different things to the All Star Game to make it more interesting. Bring back the shootout competition. The real shootout competition, not whatever the hell it is now. We want. F- I, I don't. I don't know what it is now anymore. It's like a goaltending challenge. Ah, make it, it something like, interesting. Uh, was it Lundquist or Flurry had like thirty straight saves? That was cool, but. I want Ovechkin and sunglasses and two sticks and everyone doing the flying V stuff. That was fun. I I want Carey Price to save a shot backwards. How about yeah, that? That's what I want to see. Man, he was great last night. Talk about that a little later. But Alex, I love recording the show on a Sunday because we were, we'll have Saturday headlines from Sportsnet. <laughs> and it just it fuels the show. Last night we found out that the uh, New York Rangers are listening to calls on Alex Gorgiev who, of course, is a pretty good little goalie, probably not a starter as we talked about, but, you know, someone who could be great in the platoon system. Um, but they want a forward that is a young forward who's close or is ready to play in the league. 
Yeah, man. It seems like uh, well, we talked about it when we talked about it on Wednesday uh, how Georgiev at this point is probably your odd man out, considering uh, Shosturkin uh, how well he's done in his couple games in the NHL so far. It seems like listen, uh, and I don't want to go down this road and say the Leafs have could have the best offer. I don't know for a fact. I doubt I've seen people saying people saying that they could get a better player than Jeremy Bracco. But it seems like Jeremy Bracco just fits what they're looking for. A young forward who is almost NHL ready. He on the Rangers, he could potentially be NHL ready. It just seems like a perfect fit for considering that uh, the Leafs are listening for offers on Baracko. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what type of offer, what they're going to do moving forward. Because I know Friedman, when Friedman originally reported uh, Baracko was on the trade block, uh, there was a, he was talking about there was some type of sense that he was going to be part of a bigger trade, not necessarily being the main part of a deal. So we, we'll see what happens on that front. Are there any players that come to mind who a team that needs a backup goalie or could use a goalie just in general that would fit that description? Uh, I wonder, I don't know how practical this is, but I wonder if there's some sort of scenario where, yeah, I know the Rangers are kind of messed up with cat space, but they could use some more centermen outside the Mika's advantage, of course. I wonder if there's some sort of deal to be worked out with Kyle Terrace, because it sounds like he's been on the block for a while, of course, see what he can do under John Hines, but he's it's always kind of been a square and a round, trying to put a square peg in a round hole in Nashville. So I, I that's just what comes to mind right away, pure speculation there. But do they have any prospects that you think would entice the Rangers? The only one that comes to mind, and we talked about him last week, and you know, I, I, playing in the AHL. And as you can tell, I'm clearly stalling because I can't remember his name. We talked Is it Ali Tolvanen? Tolvanen, sorry. Yeah. Tolvanen. But you wonder how close he is. I can't think of you know anyone else. Nashville might have him. Quickly going like New Jersey hit me for a second. Yeah, but I don't think they're they're in any type of place to give up a prospect. Yeah. Now, okay, so I kind of want to go down this Nashville road. If Nashville does make an offer, is UC Soros going back? Some because now now if he goes to Nashville now Nashville's in the same situation they have three NHL goalies and I don't think Pekka Rinne is going back to the Rangers that just doesn't seem realistic. No. So would Saros go back? I would imagine he would. Yeah. And then the then the Rangers are in another situation. <laughs> It's it's difficult because you go you look at a lot of teams who would want a goalie. Uh, the first one contenders wise that comes to mind is the Leafs. They, I'd still argue they need a backup goalie, 
But most teams that would need a goalie don't really want to give up any type of prospect. No. That's that's where I kind of get stalled on. Okay, what team would take uh, Georgiev? Maybe uh, maybe someone with the Sabres, too. I mean, Casey Millstat probably isn't what they expected him to be. And I get he's still well, there's- 20. One, but yeah, there there are talks of uh, Evan Rodriguez. I think Freeman reported it last week or yes. in Thirty One Thoughts. Yeah, uh, Evan Rodriguez being the next guy to kind of be moved. Would he be enough? Probably not. My no. guess is, considering things aren't really going uh, Rodriguez's way so far, but we'll see. We'll see what comes of it. It doesn't seem like they're really that they're, they're they really want to move Georgiev, but it seems like it's something they have to do. At at some point, right now, it seems like they're content with having three goalies. If only Henrik Lundqvist had one year left, then you could probably figure it out. But you know, um, also the the uh, the Rangers are kind of you know, looks like they're trying to ruin trade deadline this year. Uh, apparently they are think. I think this was from Elliot Friedman as well. Think they are the Rangers are thinking of re-signing or looking into re-signing Chris Kreider, which I mean, a smart move. You love the guy, the kind of player he is, but can they not ruin trade deadline this year? It's it's going to be boring enough. It, it honestly will be quite boring. I I think we had a conversation. I wake up about and this. Eight to watch it every year, thinking something's going to happen, and it never does until the last hour. Yeah, then you have those random trades that come in. Like last year's like Par Lindholm for Nick Patan. That was the one trade that came in late or something like that. But that's an interesting interesting thing to hear that they want to re-sign Chris Kreider. I mean, it would make Listen, here's why it would make sense considering uh Kreider, Zabinijad and Buchnevich have been a pretty good line. Uh, for the Rangers this year, I just don't know if it how much sense it makes for them to bring him back. Considering they have right now, they'll have 14 million in cap space next year. They have to re-sign uh, Tony D'Angelo. Uh, what are they going to do with Ryan Strom? It, it's interesting to see. Like they still have Vitaly Kravtsov, who's uh, who's playing in the AHL right now, who is probably almost NHL ready at this point. Does it make sense to bring Kreider back? Could they? Uh, so the first thing that comes to mind with me for Chris Kreider is could they do? And I know this seems weird, but. When Plakanic was traded to the Leafs, it was kind of already known that he wasn't re-signing with the Leafs. He was re-signing with the Canadians, and that was pretty much said on day one. Yeah. Do you think something like that could potentially happen with Kreider, considering it seems like he has a close connection with the Rangers and he's pretty tight there. They trade him at the deadline. It doesn't seem like they're going to make the playoffs. It seems like that'd be something that they could potentially do. 
Well, uh, you know, it's weird. Because Chris Carter is 28, right? And the thing with him is he plays a very physical style. So I would imagine if I'm Chris Cryer, I I kind of put this thing of where I love and all that to play in that second, rather than I would go play where I can, best scenario, try and get the biggest contract I can. You know, one of those seven-year deals are going to be terrible after year three. Again, yeah. or maybe Cryer would prefer to, you know, you know, take the discount and stay in New York. I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought they had less cap space than that. And I, I wouldn't say maybe they're not going to make the playoffs because who knows what Shostarkin turns into. And, you know, Bennington's an example of, you know, oh, hello there, goaltending. Oh, what happened there? But if I'm Chris Kreider, yeah, I would I would focus on going into my UFA year and, and getting my payday. Okay. I, they also have to re-sign Georgiev if they don't trade him. Just putting that out there. You mentioned <sighs> Tony Angelo earlier. He had a five point night the other day, a hat trick. He took a one year deal this year as a defenseman, thirty six points in forty four games played, eleven goals. Wow. He's uh he's a guy nineteenth overall pick by Tampa Bay in twenty fourteen. I believe he went over in the I don't think it was the JT Miller big deal. Was it I wonder if it was the No, the Derek uh, Derek Stepon. Derek Stepon. Yeah, he was he was traded for a second round pick back in 2016 to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, the Coyotes almost a year later then traded him to the New York Rangers along with a first round pick for Derek Stepan and Antti Ranta. You remember when Mika Zibanejad was a senator? I do. Now he's amazing. Uh, but Tony D'Angelo, uh, he's an interesting case because I, I think his political views have always kind of gotten in the way of how people see him as a player. You know, especially oh, yeah, yeah. when you start yelling about impeachment stuff. I think mean, that's just not the best way to go, sir. But a former Sue Greyhound. What can I say? They know what they're doing, apparently. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, moving on to <laughs> Rangers. Uh, I want to give some love to my boy, Jonathan Hirudo. Tell me why. He's had, I think, I remember that we, one time we talked about how he had, I think it was eight points in two games. This year, very quietly, 59 points in 44 games played. He had 92 points last year. He's on pace to have a career high in goals. Same with the points. He's He somehow started to go over the head of Sasha Barkov, which is incredible to me. And, and because he plays in Florida, we just completely forget he exists. And he's French, so he's awesome. Yeah, he, he's one of the guys that no one really talks about. And until they come to Toronto and he lights them up, like what happened with Sasha Barkov a few years ago. I feel like it's been, a, like, for the last few years, Florida has secretly, not secretly, Florida has pretty much had those guys that we don't know much about. First, it was uh, Marcheseau. Then it was Barkov. And now it's Huberto. I'm looking at Cap Friendly quickly. First of all, I forgot Keith Yandel makes $8.2 million. He makes how much? $8.289 million. Sorry, $8 million? Yeah, and he's 33. He makes that for four more years. Wait, Keith Yandel? Yes, Keith Yandel. 
man, I don't see that. For- he may, he can get like I didn't I forgot about this. Keith Yandel is like a forty to sixty point defensive see, sometimes. Cobb friendly says Keith Yandel makes six point three five. Hmm? Are you are you sure that's not in Canadian dollars? Do I have it in Canadian? Yeah, you do. Oh, whoops, a daisy. That's, that's I why. Like that. I was about to <laughs> say, did I miss this? <laughs> okay, and, and what's also really funny about uh, yeah, damn it, uh, why did I do that? Um, you also look at Huberto and Barkov's contracts. He, um, Barkov, three more years at 5.9. Then Jonathan Huberto, 90-point player, pays for 100 points this year, 26 years old, four more years at 5.9 as well. Those are going to be some big paydays. Those are uh, I just I, – those are – they remind me of the McKinnon – like uh, Huberto's is, ex- like, is just like McKinnon's deal is his best years is incredibly cheap. And it just puts you in the If only they could get a save, they would be in the playoffs, no problem. I think they're a playoff team. I, I listen, dude. I forgot. Oh, and Longo's still there. But ooh, I forgot. They bought Scott Darling. What? Okay. Uh, I you know, I don't know, man. The Atlantic's tight, and that wild card race is just. I think the top three in the Atlantic are still the top three in the Atlantic, but there's there's plenty to go on here, Alex. But uh, you know, we're talking about things like how good Jonathan Huberto is. We gotta talk about another player who's pretty awesome because he has more goals than most of the Detroit Red Wings. That's Pecorine, a goalie goal, Alex. Yeah, that is. You don't see that a whole lot. First time yeah. since 2013. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome to see a goalie goal. I mean, I wish his team was doing better, but, you know, it's nice to see a goalie goal. That's pretty much it. I go nuts whenever I see them. I I think he was going nuts when he scored. Oh, like the Blackhawk fans around him seemed so upset, but if I was them, I would be, I, I think I would be okay with it. There's certain, th- certain things that, when you're at a game and the opposing team does something, you have to cheer for a goalie goal. When McDavid does something incredible, and that's pretty much it. Just to give you some names of goalies who have scored in the past: Billy Smith, Ron Hextall has two goals. Chris Osgood, Martin Brodeur, has three goals. One in the playoffs to regular season against the Montreal Canadiens. God damn it! Um, Damian Rhodes, who I've never heard of. Jose Taylor for the Montreal Canadiens, Evgeny Nabokov, Mika Norikin, Chris Mason, sorry, Chris Mason, Cam Ward, Mike Smith, and now Pecorino. Joins a very prestigious list of names. He does. He does. I'm, I'm happy for him. I really am. Um, I, I wish that, uh, you know, I want Carey Price to do it. Really, really do. Because, you know, if anyone could. It's like Smith and Price are those puck handlers, but... Uh, well, Mike Smith needs to learn to stop the puck before he starts shooting them. But uh, Alex, I said we move on to some stuff about the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, also came out of the headlines last night that they are willing to take on your team's bad deal, but it's going to cost you a young prospect. Yeah, I saw that. That was quite interesting. I mean, that's funny because I think there's only two teams who have pretty much been doing that of late in – and well, Anaheim's now come out and said, "Sure, yeah, we'll, we'll take them." And then the Ottawa Senators, so <laughs> they're they're butting heads for uh, your LTIR contracts. 
are there any names that come to mind uh, that could be sent to the Anaheim Ducks? Oh, I, no, not uh, maybe if if Brent Seabrook is legit, he's the next one to be sent off. Ooh, that's interesting. I'm that's looking, interesting. I, why is Ryan Kessler on IR and not LTIR? I have no idea. I think he can come back. That's why. Ah, okay. Well, at I some did, point. Uh, right away, that's the first guy I think of. Um, you know, I don't see Oscar oh. Lindbaum being sent there, but you know, you hope that all works out. But I mean, r- right now, I can't really think of anyone who would. But you know, because I think Calgary would have been a prime contender, but of course, they just cleared some room. Maybe Tampa somehow gets some shenanigans. Well, they, uh, Tampa isn't really, you know, trying to dumb because they don't have any ghost contracts. But you wonder with we see this every year. But you know, with Sorelli and and, and um. And Sergeyev coming up this year, you would imagine that it's time for Tampa to, you know, trade somebody. But I, I, I don't know. I can't think of anyone right off. They're still going to figure it out. That's yeah. pretty much Tampa Bay for you. Because the big contracts right now on LTAR you think of are the guys on Arizona, a.k.a. Marion Hosa and that. Um, you're not going to get – Detroit aren't going to go and get rid of Zetterberg's deal because they kind of need that thing to get to the bottom of the cap. The Leafs only have Clarkson and Nathan Horton for this year, and they need the LTIR for, you know, whatever's going on with Marner's contract and all those shenanigans. But I can't – no one hits me. Maybe Buffalo, because, you know, they've been trying to get rid of some sort of player to make room, like one of their defensemen, but they're healthy. That's the problem. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it was very strange because I thought they were <laughs> in a cap team or the Anaheim Ducks. They have right now uh, two point one seven five in projected cap space. But I don't get that. And next year they'll have well July first or. Whoever they don't resign, they'll have nine point nine. They almost have ten million in cap space. Mm-hmm. And who do they have to resign? Uh, Jacob Larson, Devin Shore. Those are and Daniel Sprung, and Ryan Miller. Those are pretty much your big names that have not big names for Anaheim that have to get resigned. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, has Daniel Sprung been doing anything? I mean, he was. Uh, not really. I mean, he had 14 goals in 47 games for Anaheim, but I mean, what, what are you going to say about it? Remember when he was the next big thing in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I do. Ah, what I, are you going to do about it? Oh, nothing. So Can Alex, we talk about overtime? Yeah, we started. People started making noise about this when we got to you know the, the double, um, the World Juniors and that the whole you know ten minutes of OT then the shootout. But after the Leafs game the other day and the whole thing of overtime there and how exciting it was, and but then, you know, going to a shootout or whatever, overtime is too short. Five minutes? No. Give us ten minutes of OT. I mean, I think we're both on the same idea about how stupid the shootout is. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have – and I don't remember who made this analogy, 
but it's like you don't have uh, free throw contests after after overtime in a basketball game. You don't have a dunk contest after overtime in a basketball game. That's this. That's what it is. That's like the closest equivalent in a different sport. You don't you don't have a field goal contest in football after overtime. It just doesn't it it the shootout concept. I, I still don't understand why it's still in the game. I really don't. But for overtime specifically, overtime is too short. Overtime overtime is too short. It's five minutes. What's going to get done in five minutes? You, you may score, but at the same time, if you ever have Mike Babcock lying matching it, you know, you're probably going to a shootout. <sighs> Don't remind me of that. That's not nice. I can't nice. wait until he gets hired in Montreal. Like, he's crying. <laughs> you know what's going to oh, happen. I'll, I'll laugh. I'll laugh. All right. Well, Alex, I have to ask you. What is your read of the bye week? You go first. I always go first. Uh, Months from Arp and Boston of the Athletic. A big Canadians win marked the low-key return of one of their important young players. And we all forget that Victor Mete is only 21. He's third NHL season. He's, you know, beside the injury, he's having a surprisingly good offensive year. Again, scoring goals. I think he has four on the season. Love Victor Mete. So, uh, we talk about a lot of young players, but uh, I love Victor Mete. Good player. Nice guy. Okay, I got a good one. Okay. It's about someone we talked about before. This is from George Richards of The Athletic. Ah. Uh, About time to become the Panthers' all-time leading scorer, Jonathan Huberto hopes he's here to stay. Really? I forgot. Did you know? uh, Jokinen? I, I believe it is Jokinen. Panthers all-time scorers. Hold on. Ah, I saw that one, and I almost thought, you know what? That looks good. It is quite good. Um, I didn't realize how long he's been in the league. It's 511 games played. Yeah, he's a point behind Jokinen and doing it in, like, 50 less games. Steven Weiss is third. (laughs) Oh, God. That's not good. Pavel Burry is 12th. <laughs> I forgot that that happened. Ray Whitney's up there. Bowmeister's up there. Most of them are all active players. Yager is, is in top 30. But yeah, good for good for Huberto. Barkov's not far behind, but yeah. No, I completely forgot about how long Jonathan Huberto has been in the league. Since 2013. He's a, he, oh, I wasn't even watching hockey. I think that was, I was two years in. Wow. God. Sean Mathias is in their top 50 scorers of all time. Sean Mathias. I'm pretty sure he played a few games for the Leafs. He did. God. It's time to talk about some segments. And I want to talk to you about the Battle of Alberta that happened last night. The Flames and the Oilers, it never disappoints. There's big hits. There's lots of pretty goals. 
But most of all, there's some drama. And guess who's at the center of it? It's Matthew, Matthew Kuchuk. So he was, you know, he had some big hits last night. You know, one against, a few against Zach Cassian. One should probably get suspended. But the one that drew a lot of people's attention was actually one later in the game. Um, I thought it was a completely clean hit, this one. But that, as a result, because Zach Cassian was getting pummeled by Kachuk all night, Cassian just ragdolls him. Kachuk's not going to fight at all because he's not going to lower himself to a fourth liner. But like, seriously, he gets up again. I'm sure you've seen the video, Alex. But Cassian just throws him around like he is nothing. It is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite funny. I had a couple problems. Now the first one was the first hit. I'm assuming you there were two big hits that everyone was talking about before Cat before Cassian threw him around. The first first Kachuk hit was I'm very sure it was con there was the main point of contact was the head. If the it wasn't the head, it was pretty much the neck. The one Rachel Dory probably called tweeted about. Yes, it was yeah. that one. That was direct contact to the head. Main point of contact. No one did a thing. Okay. My I, like I, I'm not even going to yell about the Department of Player Safety. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Because, again, for some reason... For some reason, only Cassian is getting a hearing. Which For he, some reason. He should, though. No, I'm not arguing if he should or shouldn't. I think both of them should get a hearing. Both of them should get hearings. Now, my second problem is I don't know what is going through. the, And I get it. They have a difficult job. I understand. I don't know what was going through the ref's mind at that time. There are four players involved. If you go watch the the Matthew Kachuk and Zach Cassie thing, it wasn't just the two of them. For some reason, Elias Lindholm is there and another Edmonton player is there. And Cassie's just ragdolling Kachuk. Well, Lindholm has someone. You like, don't do anything. What? Giordano doesn't even do anything, and McDavid skates away like nothing's happening. Yeah, but there's four players involved in that one set, in that one incident, and no, and the refs are like, "Oh, should we?" It's like, go in there, go in there. It's I get they're fighting, but the thing is, there's four players fighting, or there, there's two players fighting, and then two just there acting like the ref. Like, what's the point? If they were just straight out beating the crap out of each other, that's fine. But that's not what was happening. And no one did a single thing. You want to hear a tweet from Mark Spector? Sure. For a guy, quote, for a guy who throws a lot of big hits at big guys, Kachuk sure doesn't like to answer the bell. He's fat. He's fast getting the rep of the turtle of Alberta. No, we well, we all know what spec is about another <laughs> player. Well, no, he's he's not necessarily wrong. Uh, he does the same thing with Drew Doughty, 
now he's now it's begun with Zach Cassian. I mean, there's another player in the NHL who does the same thing. And I think we both know who that is. Would you be talking about young Tom Wilson? No, no, because Tom Wilson will answer. answer the I'm talking about Brad Marchand. Oh, no, he's not been scummy lately. He's, he's cleaned it up. No, but in his prime Brad Marchand days. Well, if you ever, <laughs> you know, when he was licking people, well, yeah. if you ever get sick of Brad Marchand, just look up the, the hit PK Soup answer on him. Oh, my God. Do you want to hear some of the comments that Kachuk and um, Cassie were throwing back at each other? Yeah, I I saw it. Go, you can tell me, anyways. So, well, this is from Zach Cassie and Matthew Chuck. Quote: Wouldn't fight me two years ago. Said I was a fourth liner. Now I have thirteen goals. What's the excuse now? You know what I mean. End quote. First of all, Zach Cassian is a fourth liner. The guy would have three goals if he didn't play with Connor McDavid. Matthew Kachuk, by the way, you know, also said on Zach Cassian, quote, if Cassian doesn't want to get hit, then stay off the track. I caught him three times there. You think he'd learn after the first one. If he wants to react that way, we'll take the power play. We'll take the game winner and we'll move on to first place. By the way, yeah, they are now first in the Pacific Division because of that. Also, uh, Zach Cassian, you know, Call, called uh, he, he called Matthew Kachuk a word I won't say on this podcast, but um, I, I joked about how he was going to get fined and suspended. He'll be suspended for the roughing, I think, and he'll probably get a fine for what he said because he can't do that, and a lot of people were giving him crap for that. And, yeah, even if you get hit, I understand that, you know, the head hit he got, but, like, Zach Cassian can't start using that kind of language. Wait, who? Sorry, who was he talking about? Matthew Kachuk, or was he yeah. talking about the Department of Player Safety? I thought it was about Matthew Kachuk. Oh, okay, I I didn't read that quote. You may. It sounds pretty bad. I haven't read it yet. That right, one. Sorry, I'll, I'll get it up quickly. But just give me your thoughts on this, on those little quotes there. I mean, it's just another example of him. Of to be I'm to be honest, it's just another Matthew Kachuk thing that's pretty much what it is he does the same stuff with drew doughty every time the kings play the the flames oh it's done it's done and then something happens he does something yeah that's pretty much what this is he's a kachuk yeah like, like brady was being such a prick against Carey price last night it was <laughs> And he, uh, quickly, Alex, I'm just sending. I'm texting you like I message the uh, the thing the uh, the call from him. Um, I think it was it was <laughs> this is from Daniel Nugent Bowman. Quote. Okay. Uh, what he said. I don't want to say it here. Excuse no, me. No, the first the first one is he's a young punk. I think that's okay. Yeah, that is. The second um, one, that's, yeah, that's fair. You can't say that. And then he said, and then so. The guy who we got, um, sorry, so then this Daniel Nugent Bowman said, Zach Cassian's very candid when speaking to reporters in a postgame scrum about Matthew Kachuk. Says he loves the battle with Kachuk and wish the Oilers could play the Flames in the playoff series. That would be a killer playoff series. We, we don't deserve such a good time. No, but that's fine because uh, the Edmonton Oilers are making the playoffs, so. 
Hey, anything can happen. <laughs> exactly. See, anything can happen, man. Um, I guess another thing, or do you have anything else to say about Matthew Kachuk? Not about Kachuk. No. Do you have anything to say about Zach Cassian? Not about no, not about Cassian. No. Okay, so another thing out of I guess this game that we didn't really get to earlier, uh, Rasmus Anderson signed an extension. Now he's right-handed. He's probably a bright spot for this defense. Uh, six years at four point five five. Now it seems high, right? For right now, that that would kind of be what I've been reading. Um, I would say the same thing. I think it's a little bit high right now, but I think it can, can turn into one of those deals where two to three years from now, completely different situation. Uh, first off, he's right, which you automatically make more money if you're right-handed. Yeah. Uh, he's only tw- he's 23, and it seems like he's a top four defenseman for sure. He had 19 points last year, and he's already at 13 so far in 47 games played. Yeah, he's going to be a good defenseman. No question I, about it. Between like four and a half million, I think that's your prototypical. Like whenever I play NHL twenty in GM mode, it seems like your your like baseline top four forward defenseman. Sorry, your top four defenseman kind of contract is around a four point five. Yeah, unless you're like yeah. you know I don't know Matt Dumba and you get like six or seven, but. Yeah, but my dumb is good, man. I mean, yeah, but I, I think it's it's a very it's a very fair deal. I'll say that. I don't know that much about Rasmus Anderson besides what I heard about from Brian Burke. But I've Brian heard a lot of good like, things about him. Yeah, I've I've been reading a lot of good things about him. Uh, and considering that they might lose. Two right hand, not two players who can play on the right side, and Travis Hamannick and uh, TJ Brody. This signing probably means one of them is gone, and it seems like that guy might be T, uh, Brody, just because mm-hmm. he's probably going to get something a little bit bigger than what Travis Hamannick would get. Tell me about shot suppression. What? So you, you told me some good things about Rasmus Anderson. Tell me about his shots. Yeah, shots. Shot suppression. Don't do that. Don't do Tell do me that about to his me. Caps. Don't do that to me. Tell me about his team saber percentage when he's on the ice. I'm just going to move on. I don't hate okay. analytics, by the way. I'm just having fun. Um, did you see McDavid's goal? I did see McDavid's goal. <laughs> he's so good. Yeah, but like that's what we kind of expect from McDavid. Yeah. He's, right? Yeah, but- and there were so many shifts because I I haven't watched a lot of McDavid games, right? I I watch when he plays Montreal, and I would watch him use in the playoffs, but you know that doesn't happen. But it's just you forget just the guy's speed is just so amazing. He is the fastest player. Yeah, he's just he's. I, I wish I wish he was ahead. I can't say anything more than that. <laughs> let's get let's get to a team that really isn't. Doing so well this year. Who would that be? Uh, the San Jose Sharks. No, they're not good. 
But Alex, they breaking up their core. No, they're not breaking up their core. They sit uh, 13th in the conference. And and they sit sixth in the Pacific Division. They are quite some ways away from uh, third from a divisional spot, and I don't know think they're that close to a wild card spot either, considering how they've been playing. I mean, sure, yeah, they've won. See, the thing is, they've won their last two games, but they've been so inconsistent. They've been on so on and off that. I don't know what this team, what this team is. I don't. They are they are five three and two in their last you know ten games. You know they uh, Patrick Marlowe played game seventeen hundred last night. So congratulations to him. Yeah, that's awesome. The thing is though, they lost Logan Couture. Yeah, that's pretty. And cool. that's and that is a pretty big. Injury, especially you know, it's six weeks. What do they do moving forward? Because do you want to hear their center depth? Oh yeah, I'd love to. Okay, so line. This is from Daily Faceoff. Line one: Thomas Hurdle. Line good. two: Line two: Anti Somela. I'm sorry. Line three: Joe Thornton. All right, fair. Yeah, he's good. Line line four: Joel Kelman. That's he's not real. No man, he's real. No, he's not. So you see, you lose one guy in Logan Couture, and it just seems like the team is a little bit of a mess. No depth. And I. And the thing with this team is, I think they have they get a lot of offense, or. On paper, they should get a lot of offense from their defense in Burns and Carlson specifically. But it seems like they're not having the greatest of years. I mean, sure, Carlson has 34 points in 46 games. Uh, Burns has 32 points in 47 games. But the thing is, they started the season so they didn't start the season very strong. And I think it backfired on them. Yeah. I really do think it backfired on them. And I know uh, you brought literally mentioned it a couple minutes ago that Friedman t- said that they're not going to break up their core. Now, what's their core? Probably, you know, it's, it's Hurdle, it's Couture, it's Carlson, it's Burns, it's... I'm just quickly, Timo Meyer not going to trade. The Vander Kane, I guess, is, is part of that. And I, Mark Audrey Vlasic, I guess, is, is their core, is those guys. But I'm not expecting that Martin Jones is part of it. So I'd say it's it's those three defensemen and then those, like, four forwards. But then the Sorry, problem did is... You, did you include Kane? Yeah, I did. Okay. So Kachira, Kane, Meyer, Hurdle, I think, are the or the four, maybe probably Kevin LeBanc too, because but yeah, you know, let's see what that contract negotiation looks like, because he's not had the best year either. Right, this team is in a bit of a limbo 
simply because number one, I don't think they can afford. This is the thing. I don't think they can afford to break up their core simply because they don't have their first round pick. Yeah, which we uh, I forgot about that for a second. <laughs> the t- the team needs to pick it up, and I think uh, Doug Wilson is their GM believes that they can pick it up because it's how the what's the difference between the team this year and the team last year in player wise they're missing Joe Pavelski that's it well that's you know uh, and that's a pretty big part I get that that's a pretty big part I know but considering LeBanc was supposed to be was supposed to get better, uh, Hurdle Meyer were supposed to get better. Vander Kane was supposed to be good. Now, uh, Vander Kane has eighteen goals and thirty three points and forty four games. I just just don't. Th- <laughs> I think they didn't think the goaltending was going to be this bad. And it's funny because I I look at the goaltending now, and one of their goalies have kind of stepped it up lately. Aaron Dell is now now has a save percentage above 900. That's nice. Uh, he's 8-7-2. and two. Uh, He's 4-1 and one in his last five games. And it seems like he's been pretty consistent. But they're not getting consistent. It's Martin Jones still has an 890. He is uh, 1 3 1 in his last five games. What's his save percentage? Uh, three below, uh, three below 900 and oh, cool. two above 950. Oh, what are you doing? Wait, two it's, above 950? Yeah. So he's so consistency does not. Yeah, we talked about that. Like who's more inconsistent? We've talked about before. Yeah, it, it's 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 his consistency that's the problem, and I don't know what they do because okay, we talked about a goalie earlier. We talked about uh, Georgiev. I don't think he, he's an option for for San Jose simply because okay now you're stuck with three goalies you're not going to get it doesn't make sense to get rid of Aaron Dell because he's been picking it up lately and I don't think you're trading Martin Jones I I wouldn't say a stretch is enough to tell you to keep Aaron Dell or not no it's not I'm not I'm not saying it is but it seems like he's been your consistent guy lately well, let's say it is the Sharks. Like, just you know, let's spit fire. Let's you know, let's spitball some stuff here. The deal I would guess at first would probably be a sort of deal involving Kevin LeBanc, maybe. You know, and then you know you get somebody to light a fire under Martin Jones. To, you know, be some competition for the starter job, and you know, I don't know, man. Maybe. I don't know if they want to give up Mar- I don't know if they'd want to give up Kevin LeBanc. I mean, you gotta give someone to get something, and they need a goalie. Uh, yeah, I just think, considering last year they didn't have consistent goalie goaltending, and it got them how it got them to the conference finals, did it not? Yes, I mean they're only six points behind. 
the Canucks for second wild card. Again, now it, it is four teams ahead of them, and two of them are Nashville and Winnipeg, but I mean, that's not impossible for them to get over. No, it's not impossible. It's just they're going to have to play above expectation for pretty much the rest of the season. Well, I, I think Martin Jones just needs to be a league average goaltender. Yeah. He needs to. It's not that he has to be a league average goaltender. It, it's he has to be a consistent goaltender. Fair. That's what's been the. That's what's been the problem. If he's a consistent league average goaltender, then we're we're having a compl- I think we're having a completely different conversation than we are right now. Mm-hmm. Because. It's not that they're having trouble. It's not that they don't have the players to score. It's that they're letting in more than they can. Then they're letting in more than that than they can score. They have a, and I know it's a weird. It's not something a lot of people use, but I'm going to use it anyways. They have a minus uh, of negative twenty seven. <laughs> like. So, and and I and I think yeah, their biggest issue is their goaltending. But a doubt. But they they've got to do something. I, and I don't think they are though. I really don't think they're going to do anything. That's what it seems like. If they're not gonna, if they're not willing to break up their core. Well, Alex. I think they will be an interesting team to watch out for come trade deadline because uh, Doug Wilson. <clears throat> Doug Wilson. Anyway, though, Alex, we have some teams to talk about with the Leafs and the Habs. Where do we want to go? Uh, I can start. I don't mind. Magic hands, Marty. <laughs> That's it. He is resigned. The show is over. That's it. Martin Marincin is resigned. I don't know why. I don't know why, but whatever. No, I respect Martin Mitchell. That's pretty awesome. You know, considering he's not the best defenseman in the world, but they obviously see something in him. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but good for him. Now, I wanted to do something, considering that the Leafs are going to get uh, Trevor Moore and Andreas Johnson back at some point. Uh, I mean, they also have Ilya Mikhaev, but he's pretty much done for uh, the, at least the regular season. I wanted to see what this team looks like fully healthy because it seems like they have quite a bit of wing of wing depth. And you're going to help me create a lineup for the Leafs. Ooh, okay. I like doing this stuff. Okay. Hold on. Let me get a pen and paper. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Okay. I'm going to get my green pen, Alex. I'm going to get my notebook out. No, no, that's just my... No, that's my... my. Hold on a minute, Alex. Did you... Did I tell you about... Just while I'm quickly getting this ready. Did I tell you about the the yearbook I got from the Habs? No. Um, season ticket holders get this like this cool yearbook. I got one. It's really it's like a page on flambo and everything. All right, I have my pen and my paper in front of me, Alex. Okay, so we'll start with line one. 
Uh, Hyman Matthews Marner. All right. Hold on. Hyman's on the left, right? Correct. Hyman. Hyman. We're going to call Matthews Stash and then Mitchie. All right. That's your. That's what you're going to do for your top line, eh? I mean, yeah. I'm just calling it line one. Line one and line two are kind of interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But is this, is this, let's say, if the Leafs are completely healthy? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes, Sorry. Yes, Go yes, on. Yes. Yeah. Line two is. Uh, Janssen, Tavares, Nylander. All right. Janssen, Tavares, and um, the Swedish one. Yeah, William Nylander. Okay, cool. Oh, my God. I'm already stuck. Okay. Third line, you have... Uh, you have... Kerfoot, Kapanen as your center right wing. Leave the left wing blank. I have to think about it. Kerfoot and Kapanen, okay. And then your bottom... Oh, my God. This is difficult. Okay, your fourth line is uh, Spezza, center, and Gautier, uh, right wing. Okay. Go. All right, so just to remind you, you have the mat, the mustache Hyman and um, and Mickey. You've got Janssen, the Swedish one, and Tavares. And then you still have any left wingers, but you have Cappy and Kerfoot and Goat and Jason. Okay, I see this is where I'm, I have trouble because pretty much I don't think Timoshov draws into this lineup. I mm-hmm. think Engvall, Engvall has proved himself enough to become a guy in this lineup. It's a matter of, do I put Engvall third or fourth line, and do I put Moore third or fourth line? Ooh, because, Eng, because Engvall would look good on the third line. So I'm going to put Engvall on the third line and Moore on the fourth line for now. All right. So, and more. Okay. And then Timishov is your, I guess, uh, 13th forward. All right. And Timmy is 13. But what you would agree with that, right? Like, um, yeah, how about you, you do your lineup and then I'll give you what I would do. Okay. That is my lineup. Do you want me to do defense too? Yeah. Defense and, and reduce. Yeah. 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 Okay. So defense is, um, Riley Berry, Muzzin Hall, Dermot CC. Hold on, hold on. I'm writing this down. I want to have a click. Okay, sorry. Riley Berry's your top pairing, okay? Yeah. Uh, Muzzin Hall as your shutdown pair, and uh, Dermot CC. And Dermot. I'm ass- yeah, I'm assuming they're not going to call up Sandine. But is is this is this what you think will happen, or like this isn't like what you would want then? That's what I think is going to happen when everything's healthy. Okay, and then I'm assuming it's it's who do you have as Freddie's backup? Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Okay. I don't think right now they're going to make a trade because I think they like everyone. I think they're pretty content with Hutch, uh, considering his last three games. Okay. So is there anything you change? Um, 
Would you perhaps want to go on a rant about player safety or something while I figure this out? Because I yeah, actually what do you want me to talk about? Um, you know what? Whatever you want, man. Um, how about Alex? Why don't you tell me about how the Toronto media has absolutely used, like, played that McDavid clip to death? Yeah, they have played that McDavid clip to death simply because it was against Toronto. Uh, I know we've talked about it before, uh, how a lot of uh, Sportsnet and TSN is Toronto-related. But that's just how it is. But I, that's kind of at this point. Like I don't know exactly what you want me to say about that. But I can go on a rant about the Department of Player Safety because that's what I'm good at. Um. Yeah, they really need to, and I think I've said this many times before, it is science. Science does show that head hits are bad, but I feel like they just, they're not interested in doing anything about it. I And it's really stupid that that's the case. And you know where I think the problem comes from? And I know a lot of people, not a lot, I know I've seen quite a few people say this, is that maybe they need to get someone as the head of Department of Player Safety who wasn't an absolute pest. Um, I don't want this to sound Leafs biased because I know it absolutely will, but I don't mean it like that. When Brendan Shanahan was running the Department of Player Safety, it didn't seem like there were that many issues. So I like a sensible man, isn't he? Pardon? He's a sensible man. It seems like it. Like I don't. I I hope that doesn't come off. Uh, as Leafs biased because I get it he is the president of the Leafs but that that's not how I'm basing this off of uh, he really is I think he was doing quite a a good job with this with the Department of Player Safety and it's really I'm really sick and tired of of seeing head hits going uncalled for. I get it in game because, you know, there's restrictions on replays and, you know, not everyone has the best view. I I, I understand that. I'm not worried about the end game stuff. There's a whole separate issue I have with the refs. But the fact that you watch the replay and you say, I don't know about that one is is really ridiculous. And last night, uh, the head hit... The clear head hit on Cassian that went uncalled for was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I have my lineup ready. Okay. All right, so um, my goaltenders, I have Frederick Anderson, and instead I have Casimir Kaskisuwo. Um, I think he deserves a chance. Of course, I like Hutchinson, but um, I would like to see Kaskisuwo get a real chance with the Leafs. Okay. Um, when it comes to defensemen, my third pairing is Morgan Riley and Cody Cece. My second pairing is Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall. My top pairing is Tyson Berry and Magic Hands Martin Marinson. Is this, a, is this a joke or? Uh, well, well, no, Alex, I'm 100% serious. My top line is uh, Nathan Horton, 
With John Tavares. Okay, we're mo- you know what? You want to play that game? Okay, we're no, moving no. on to we're no, we're moving on. I don't care. Nathan, Nathan Horan hasn't played a game in like four years. Alex, you he asked- has a back injury. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Tavares, I regret asking. Nathan Horan and on his wing, Austin Matthews. I'm gonna completely rip the Canadians today. His second, his second is the oh, center. Oh. The second line center is Jason Spezza because he's a good old Canadian kid. He knows how to win. Uh, Andreas Janssen on his wing, and on his his right wing is is uh, David Clarkson. Your third line center is Adam Brooks because Adam is a great name. Kasperi Cap on his left, and Ilya Mikhaev on the right. The fourth line is Freddie the Goat with Mitch Marner on his right wing, and Milan Lucic after he gets traded for ne- William Nylander because Swedes can't win and he's lazy. Okay, so I have a question <laughs> for you. Yes. Is this a team that was that? has a general manager of Brian Burke and a head coach of Mike Babcock? Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes so much more sense. Now, do you want okay, my so, answer? Yeah, I do. Or else I'm uh, just going to talk about the Montreal Canadiens. No, so I'm keeping Tavares and Nylander together because I actually really like it. And Tavares is playing, I think, sorry, Nylander's playing his best hockey of his career. Uh, Matthews and Marner, I, I, I think there's going to be more from that. I know Matthews is already on pace for like 54 goals. But I, you know, there's gonna there's gonna be more and more highlights between those two, and I think that's really, really, really fun. Oh yeah, you keep Hyman because he's harmless up on that top line with Matt and that. Tavares and Nylander, it's interesting because I, it doesn't really. I don't think it matters who's there. Um, I would like. I don't know if he has played there, but I don't think it would be the worst thing to see what kind of stuff Pierre Enval would do up there. Um, I don't know that much about Ely Mikhaev, so I've just kind of put him on the third line with Spezza. Oh, I didn't even put him in my lineup just because he was injured. But okay. oh, sorry. It's just, you That's, know. Okay. Then I have I have Kapan on the right wing with Spetsa and Mikhaev. My fourth line, I have a very harmless thing. If I have Kerfoot, because I kind of forgot he existed, but you can flip him and Spetsa. That's not a real problem, depending on the situation and that. And then on my bottom line. It's a bit weird. I put Freddie the Goat because I think he's he's deserved another shot. He played really well this year. And, see, I don't really know what to do for the bottom left wing. Like, And at the same time, even with, if he was healthy, I wouldn't put Janssen in because I think he's getting traded. The defense is exactly the same for me, except I put Dermot, Riley, and I reunite Muzzy because I think that should be tried again without Babcock. And uh, the bottom pairing is instead for me, Marinson and CeCe, because we all deserve some fun. And I'm serious about Kaski Suo. So those are my lines. Wait, so where's Barry? Muzz, do you say Muzzin and Barry? Yeah, Muzzy's back together. Okay, where's Justin Hall play? Um, Justin Hall is... No, he, sorry, he should be playing with Mark Marinson, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. And then CeCe should just be thrown into the abyss. <laughs> Oh, okay, uh, yeah, good, those good. are my Toronto Maple Leafs lines. I th- I'm sorry, Alex. I, I had That's to. I-, I had to have some fun there. That's fine. Yeah. I I don't know about. I think yeah, Kerfoot is for sure your third line guy. I think Janssen probably is one of Janssen or Kapanen is gone by the draft. Or at the draft is my guess for some type of defenseman. Maybe part of a bigger package. I'm not sure. I mean, they could pro- they could potentially be traded mid-season uh, if they can bring in some type of defenseman, uh, potentially with some type of term. 
Yeah. You know, that that would be nice to see. Obviously, it sucks to see uh, either of those players go, but you got to do what you got to do. Um, I don't think Marinson gets <laughs> really gets into this lineup. I just simply because Cody Cece on the third pairing. Yes, Cody Cece really isn't that good, but he's been it, he's been kind of invisible on the third pairing, which is exactly what I want with Cody Cece. Um, but other than that, it seems pretty much fine. I don't yeah. know if Engvall is ready for that second. Like, obviously, I'd love to see what he does, but I don't know if he's ready for that line yet. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, yeah. Just to let you know, um, Corey Schneider has been recalled. I, I saw that. Uh, you know, just to uh, let I guess they're, you know, the tanks in full effect. <laughs> Just to let you know. Okay, let's get to the one team I know you've been dying to talk about. Yeah, so do you want to hear a fun little tweet? Sure. This is from Connor McKenna. Um, this was before last night, so it's all, all, he said, the Canadians have won seven games in 26 games since Jonathan Drew went out. He's a good player, but... If that's what happens when you lose a guy like that, someone built a bad hockey team. Uh, Alex, did you watch my new video, by the way? No, not yet. You bastard. Um, well, yeah. Um, it's now, there's another win in there last night. So the Habs snapped their second eight-game winless streak of the season last night against the Ottawa Senators in the game that they should have lost. But um, right after I said carry prices and, you know, we should lower our expectations. Uh, he stole them the game. He made more than forty saves. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk. Did you have you seen the Kovalchuk goal yet? No. Absolutely full descends player. Everyone knew he was going to shoot, but he made a really nice move. Just buried his first goal as a hab. He's he's four points in four games for Kovalchuk. And I I don't know. I, I, their season is done as the Canadians, but you have to take these moral victories where you can. And Kovalchuk was really really happy. And I think the big thing with him now is if he can continue to be this, play this efficiently, that he'll be a nice little rental for someone. You know, not like a first, second, and third, but you could probably get a, a good pick for him. But I think the real thing we want, we like, you don't want to talk about the game. I can say what I want. You know, that's fun, whatever. But the news is what came out last night at headlines again. The backbone of this show is basically Elliot Friedman. That Mark Bergerman is waiting till the All-Star game to start making decisions. And in brackets on our notes, Alex, I have said a little late, Mark. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Now, you can probably answer this question for me. Are there players who are going to return within the next, uh, I'm not sure how many games they play, three to four games uh, before the All-Star break? Uh, see, you know what's really interesting here? I'm pretty sure Jonathan Druin should be back by then. Paul Byron should be as well. Like Paul, that's what's really frustrating about Paul Byron, is he, it feels like he's been skating for a while, but there's not been that much. But I know Druin has been at, at practices too. Um, so those guys, I think they should be back. Yolar me is weird because he's week to week, and you never want to hear that because you never know. But I, I, those guys should be back, but it's it's not for sure because Druin's t 
timeline was pushed back from eight weeks to eight to ten, so he might not even be back. Right. I th- it's such a mistake. Did you? I, I don't know if you saw this, but the Sens when they tied it up, there's a really fluky goal. I think it went off of um, Pekka's skate or whatever, and they cut to Mark Bergevin. Yeah, I was, saw that. <laughs> like, first of all, I just want to say, um, you know, you're on camera and you know you're Mark Bergevin. You need to do a better job of not reacting. But I, I think it's such a mistake to wait till the All-Star game to see what you're doing. I really I really do. Because you texted me last night saying uh, something about him waiting. And I'm like, what is he waiting for? And just, I understand, you know, you can't make a split-second decision. But now we're talking about an entire week. Now, how many games do they play before the All-Star break? Uh, I will find that out for you right now. Because uh, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I think it's three more games. What are what is he going to get in three more games? The only sort of thing I would look at this team in three to four games. Like Kovalchuk's the only player you need to take on a, a week-by-week basis. I think the team's fate this season has already been determined. You don't have two eight-game losing streaks separately and make the playoffs. It's not going to happen. So I don't know what he wants to look at. I, yeah, neither do I. I, I. I don't understand. Did we talk about uh, last week or on Wednesday about what this team could give up? Because I know that's been a big discussion. I, they've talked about it a couple times on uh, Hockey Central. Is there a better idea now of what the Canadians not are willing to give up, but what they can give up if they're going to be sellers at the deadline. Um, yeah, so I think Friedman and Mayer talked about it on the 31 Thoughts podcast a lot more. Uh, sorry, hold on, Alex. I believe the Habs play four more games. Sorry, three more games until... Sorry, no. God damn it. They play, they play four more games against the Flames, Blackhawks, Flyers, and Golden Knights. I'm going to the Golden Knights game um, before they uh, go to the All-Star break. So, I'm well, Alex, I quickly have a little thing here, what my lines would be, and I'm looking at each player. And the one who stands out to me that Freeman and Thingy and uh, Merrick brought up that I think could definitely be somebody to look at trading, and it, as much as it sucks, I mean, the guy was a throw-in piece in the big Pacioretty deal, but the guy who's been your leading scorer, he's got two years left, so you can get more value for him having the extra year, and that's Tomas Tatar. And another guy is... Jeff Petrie, who also has another year left, and I think is one of the more underrated defensemen in the league. Um, I think Petrie is one that you can do because, A, this year, um, Kale Fleury's shown a lot of potential to be a top-four guy one day, sooner rather than later. And, of course, they have a guy like Josh Brook in the system as well that one day could be something. And uh, Noah Juleson's a question, but really it's with Josh Brook and Kale Fleury. Tomas Tatar, I don't really know. I, I, I... It's tough because, like, a big issue with this team is the age differences and then lining up with the younger guys and being competitive. So I think it would be it would make sense to trade Petru, who I believe is already 31, and Thomas. It's our starting to get the Habs going to sell mode. It's those two guys, and depending on how well Ilya Kovalchuk plays, he could be a rental for somebody. Okay. Because I... Like, because I look at this team, and, and we've had this discussion off the podcast... For sure, is there's not a whole lot, a bunch of pieces that you can think of selling that will bring something, a whole lot valuable. 
you don't trade Phil Deneau because he's young and he can be in the Selkie conversation. You, right. You'd be a, a fool. You would turn the fan base on you if you traded Brendan Gallagher. And yeah. then you see, like, Terry Lekkonen is, a, is like a Swiss Army knife player and he's young. Max Domi is young. Nick Suzuki, I don't need to tell you about. Palin. Kokinemi. Like, you're not trading those. Victor Mete, you're going to trade him? No, you're not. Like, I look at the middle of the roster. I have the cop friendly page up here. You have Dale Weiss, Jordan Wheel, Pekka, and Thompson. Uh, in your opinion, are they worth trading? Um, The only one I could think would be Nate Thompson because his it, like he's a valuable power pl- um, penalty kill guy. So you get like a four. But yeah, like, is it worth it? Not really. Like, you're not going to really. I mean, you would love to just get something and you have plenty of guys to replace him. Like, Paling would probably get a permanent center spot. So I could see it making sense. But if Nate Thompson's the biggest name you can get rid of, it, so from that, then would it be. Ease, would it be you'd be able to say that they're in a weird position? The Canadians are in a weird position, and sure, they're sellers. It's just they don't have a whole lot to sell because they have a lot of young players. Yeah, or players in their prime that are part of the core. I think well, it's it's interesting that you bring up the term core because if I ask you who the Montreal's Canadian core is, who like who are you going to tell me, Alex? I would tell you Gallagher, Druin, Domi, uh, Kotkaniemi, Suzuki, Weber, Carey Price, See, and Victor and that, Mete. If, and Victor Mete. So here's the problem. Yeah, Victor Mete off the top of my head is 21 years old. Max Domi, I believe, is, I want to say 24? 24, yes. 20, 24 years old. Jonathan Druin, I believe, is 24 or 25 as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, Nick Suzuki, I believe, is 20 or 21. Correct. And then uh, Kale Fleury, 20. Yes, very cold. Kinemi, 19. Brendan Gallagher, I believe, is 26 or 27. So, 27. 27, yeah. And then you bring up Weber and Petrie. So the problem, and I mentioned it earlier, the thing of like what's lining up with your core, right, is the next wave of Habs forwards are those young guys. And I think the Tatar and Petries, again, are those guys that, in, on another team, they're part of your core, but they don't line up with Montreal's youth movement. And it also, so it would make sense to trade those guys. But, but like, thing of a young player really makes sense. And it's a big issue with, like, the fact that the Habs haven't committed to a rebuild or going for it. You know, they've been, they're playing both sides, which is a big problem. So you brought up, so you said Tatar and Petrie are on the art in that bracket for your rebuild or your core, but would you not? And I know these are special players, but would you not make the argument for Weber and Price too, who are both on the back end on pretty much the other side of 30? Uh, Weber and and price at 32 who have but they have longer contracts is that why they're in a bit of a different situation yeah than the tatar and petrie i think a lot of yeah and i think a lot of people off the top of their head would like you know, like brian berg made the point of like who do you replace shea weber and brendan um shea weber and carrie price with well the, the immediate answer is king primo was the replacement 
And then you would think the next great Canadian, and I'm, I'm no way saying Alex Romov is going to be a Norris Trophy defenseman, but it's those, it's those kind of guys. It's your Brooks, it's your, it's your, your, your flurries in that. The Romanovs are your next generation on defense, right? And then, and again, Caden Primo is only twenty years old, so he's not Price's is is, is he's not Price's immediate successor because you know it, to them it's it's Carey Price right now. And immediately you see a problem there is that these players' career trajectories aren't lined up. And it probably is the smartest move to trade Price and Weber. Now, I think a lot of people were saying like the contracts are an issue. Alex, I don't know about you, but I think general managers are dumb enough to take on the Shea Weber deal, considering how good he looks so far, the Norris Trophy type of year. Price, I think you you can't trade him now because his value is not very good because he hasn't been good. But I think it takes Carey Price two months to get back into it, and I think you can do it. But it, 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 the problem is you have a Habs fan base that is very impatient now because they've missed for what is probably going to be three years straight. And Mark Bergevin, if he does make the decision to finally tear it down, did it three years too late. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think, I think, listen, I get, yeah, they're for sure GMs crazy enough to take the Weber. And uh, I probably someone crazy enough to take the price deal. Not that price is a bad goalie. It's that price is 32 and seems like he has a million years left on his contract. Um, I think when it comes to Weber, I think there would be some type of salary retention on that deal. I think it's more likely on price than Weber. Because you know there's that old school G- there's that one GM that looks at Char and he's like, oh, we're good. Or like, yeah, some sort of, not like 50%, but I could see, because Weber makes, I think, like 7 point, maybe 7.5 or 7.1, so. But it doesn't matter if you're going into rebuild mode, right? Because you're going to have the cap space anyway, which Montreal already have. Yeah, Shea Weber has, the, uh, oh my god, he makes $7.8 million dollars. Um, beyond cap friendly, I believe it's seven more years. Let me just quickly double check. Shea Weber is under contract until I'm sorry, <laughs> we'll find it because it, it it was eleven years when he first um, got to Montreal till 2026. That's when he is a UFA. He'll make seven point eight million dollars, and there's like no salary after 2022. Oh boy, out of we're gonna be out of uh, out of university. And then Carey Price has, I believe it's six more years after this one. Oh my god! Yes. See, you you mentioned something before. You said he the, he's wants he's was would do the rebuild, but it's three years too late, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if that's necessarily the issue because you look and, – and, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you look at really good teams who've won cups. You look at Pittsburgh. You look at Chicago, right, They've uh, with their multiple cups. They have that core, but what they do is that they bring in different pieces to surround that core, whether that be young players or whether that be like bigger additions that they can fit in. The thing with 
with what Mark Bergevin has done is he has the core, right? You got your, your certain players. Uh, and then you have your young guys in Kotkaniemi, Suzuki, Paling, Mete. But he ha- he never brought in that big addition that a team needs to take that next step. You look at the Phil... You look at the Phil Kessel acquisition, and that brought them two more cups. Yeah. But the, the, the thing with Chicago and Pittsburgh and Washington and all that is, at one point they bottomed out, and they got those first overall picks when, you know, they got your Backstrom, and then, you know, your Ovechkin. They got the Malkin and Crosby in the draft. And what the Habs is, they never bottomed out enough to the position where they were able to get those. Same with Toronto, to go get your Marners and your Matthews, right? At any time, like the big one you think of right away was Alex Galchenyuk, who played his best hockey in Montreal, but just wasn't able to cut it because of injuries and that. And, and, you know, the Habs were never... God, I'm thinking they're like the Minnesota Wild, is that they never bottomed out enough to get those stars. And even when you had a prime PK, price-winning heart trophies, and Max Pacioretty... They never, the Habs only started drafting and developing well the past two, three years. Right. Which is when you need, and Bergeron has been there for eight years, when he should have started doing it at the start. Then the Habs are, if the Habs, when he first takes over, learn how to develop and draft properly, they're contenders. Not even an issue. But it's just everything Bergeron has started to do right, again, he's just started too late. He wasted Carey Price's best years. We can say that he wasted P.K. Subban's best years. And luckily, Patrick Reddy got away before he was completely, you know, dried out for everything he had. For sure. For sure. Which, by the way, I'm going to quickly bring up Max Pacioretty's numbers this year because he is 48 games played, 45 games played. Sorry, 48 games played, 45 points. He's on pace for... Just about like nearly 40 goals. His career high is 39 in Montreal. And his career high in points is 65. And he's already at 45 now. Yeah. I don't think we ever had a, we ever thought that Pacioretty wasn't good. I just, do you know what the thing with Pacioretty is? I think he got traded to Vegas and then signed that extension and didn't really like the extension. For some reason, it's, I don't know I, why. I think it was it was the wrong decision how they named him captain because they did the team vote and then they traded PK. So like, Pacioretty took all the brunt of it, and he clearly wasn't the type of person for that. He was better in the shadows than he was in the spotlight. Right. But then again, uh, you got Nick Suzuki out of it, and he's uh, he's a good player. I got some huge news. Um, okay. It's from Greg Wyszynski. Ah, great. The NHL Department of Player Safety said there will be no discipline for Matthew Kachuk after controversial hits on Zach Cassian last night, telling both ESPN, both hits delivered on Cassian were legal full body checks delivered to a player carrying the puck. Cassian will have a hearing on Monday for roughing slash aggressor in going after Kachuk. Did you see Rachel Doré's thing on it? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty. Uh, and like you, and the one that so the way it comes up because I don't follow Wyshynski on Twitter is 
You see Rachel Dory last night originally. Uh, you want me to just read this little scenario here so we can end the show? Yeah. So um, there's the example of this, the first Kachuk hit where he clearly, like, you watch it, it's slowed down. And, like, Kachuk sees that Cassian slightly bent over. He comes into the speed where he clearly gets him in the head, knocks his helmet off, also nearly takes down Mark Giordano. Mar- Rachel Dory quote tweeted, said, says, quote, if the Department of Player Safety doesn't believe this is A, suspendable, B, a hit we want out the game, frankly, they have zero concept, concept of player safety. This is why we need guys like Korea and Savard in there. Korea, sorry. It's four strides to a vulnerable player's head. By the way, remember, Paul Korea is the guy who got his head hit, didn't know where he was, came back, scored an overtime goal. So that, and then, so after Rashinsky does that, Rich Dory quote tweets that and said, the only time this department had credibility was when Brandon Shanahan ran it. There isn't a shred of credibility left there. Don't wax poetic. Sorry, don't wax poetic about safety and then let guys off on a weekly basis. It's a joke, man. It's an absolute joke. It really is. And it's like nothing's getting done. And listen, I, I'm listen. I'm I. How many times have we praised Gary Brett, Gary Bettman for the things he's done for hockey? It just seems lately that. Nothing's getting done. Uh, great, we're not great. We're not going to have a lockout. You know what, man? Like at this point, there's so many things that need to be fixed. When it, for number one, player safety. Number two, referees. Number three, um, uh, what was the third one? Players, referee, and the department of player safety. It's a joke. Also, Scotty Upshaw tweeted out saying, "For those, uh." For those of you who haven't played hockey, I think what he meant to say, for those of you who haven't played the game, coming down from your wing as a winger to hit a vulnerable guy on a wraparound is as dirty as it gets, such as below. I know because I've done it lots. I deserve to punch in the face, too. If this hit was on McDavid, 10-game mid. And that's a, that's a former player in Scotty Upshaw, by the way. That's quite interesting because I've seen, like, not a lot of players would do that. Brandon not a lot of players. Pigeon. <laughs> call Ian Tollick a pigeon. That was the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that was funny. Well, Do you have anything else to say? Um, no, because all I see is, again, Brandon Press, by the way, I bring this up every time, the only thing he's ever done in his career was when he tossed uh, Steven Samkos' elbow pass Adds into the stands of the Habs game once because he was a sore loser. Um, but I think yeah, I think that's it for today. I'm looking. I mean, uh, the Detroit Red Wings have called up Calvin Pickard. Yay! <laughs> but yeah, that's you, uh, that's you mean former Leaf Calvin Pickard? Yeah, Leafs legend. All right, Alex. I think that's everything for today. Then, well, loyal listeners. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, wherever you're listening to it, if you can like, share, subscribe, review, all that kind of stuff, why don't you just do it? Why not do it? Also, be sure to check out the show's YouTube channel for lots of clips on the show and that. Uh, Check out the Instagram page, of course. Get the discussions going. And also, check out my YouTube channel. Of course, check out Alex and I's 
own social medias as well that will all be there again hopefully daniel can come on soon he's slowly dying from coughing or something like that he said he'd be back um i'm project projecting his recovery time to be uh by the time the draft comes along but we'll see <laughs> um yeah thank you for listening everyone goodbye